so sorry. Okay. Just want Okay, good evening. Today is Wednesday, January 18th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is the appendix, appendix one, the AA tradition. Tonight, our speaker is CJ. Thank you, CJ. Hi, family. Hi, everybody. Um, I am CJ, an anorexic, bulimic, compulsive overeater living in a recovered state today, which is a freaking miracle. Um, so this is not a topic. Uh, the topic today or this week is, is on the traditions. And it's not really a topic based on like a lot of stories share about where I come from, but I, I do feel it's important to um, share why I belong here. Um, and hopefully anyone who may need to hear a little bit about this, um, it helps. Uh, I started out as a compulsive overeater at a very young age. I was extremely uncomfortable in my own body and believed what I looked like was the most I had to offer. So what I had to offer was already not enough. Um, for me, anorexia and bulimia started when I was 13 years old after family trauma. I had a brother who was killed in a car accident. Um, and really the insanity of controlling what I can't, um, that, that's how my addiction morphed. It continued into my adulthood until I was about 30. Um, it took on every form that an eating disorder can, this addiction can, except for hospitalization, because there really wasn't any such thing back then. Um, I ate anything in any form, whether that's the form it was supposed to be in or not. Um, I exercised compulsively. I binged. I vomited. I did laxatives. I did any drugs that I insanely believed would increase my metabolism. Um, my body shame was so extreme that I would wear long sleeve shirts and long pants in the summer. Um, I lost relationships. I got kicked out of college for it. Um, I hid from people. I put myself in degrading situations. Um, I tried therapy. It did not really work for me. And um, when I was in college, I went to an OA meeting and it scared me terribly and I didn't go back. Um, I came back to the rooms. Um, I'm terrible at dates. Probably 16 years ago, I came really, really close to relapsing on bulimia. Um, and if, you, if you've heard anything about my story or about yesterday, um, yesterday was my one year anniversary. I call that my one year OA birthday um, because while I've had 30 years of um, physical abstinence from my addiction, and I've had maybe 15 years of being on a food plan, I was now in recovery. Um, I've heard other people talk in these rooms too. Uh, it was not about the years of abstinence. It was about the quality of my life and my recovery. I did not have emotional sobriety. I did not have recovery. I went to meetings. I did some step work. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't do 10, 11 steps. I didn't try to help anybody. It was really kind of all what I was here to get out of it. And it showed, um, it showed in my life. I was miserable. I was still unhappy. Um, I didn't get it. And because of these traditions, um, two years ago, I went to the OA birthday party and it changed my life. Um, I, I got what this program is supposed to be about. Um, I got that it's a, a spiritual experience um, that's acted out in love um, and that um, really working the steps in a big book way was the thing that saved my life emotionally and, and definitely physically because without it, I, I definitely would have gone back out. Um, so with that, the traditions, um, 
I, I echo what other people have shared, and it, I was so glad to hear people share this about how they were a little bit nervous sharing the traditions earlier this week. Um, it's not something that honestly I read a lot unless I think they're being followed. But um, but I do want to share what the traditions have done for me, um, what I've learned from them, like what they've helped me do in my own recovery, um, and really. Uh, how I see them. So this is this. It's important to say, take what you want and leave the rest from this. Um, I've used resources from other people, from the twelve and twelve, from other podcasts. Um, and then the last thing I want to share is a hopeful example of how I've actually seen them happen in action in a meeting. A really cool experience with them. And I do want to say, if I, if I accidentally say we or you, um, I do mean me. Um, Maybe because I'm nervous, and might because the traditions talk um, a lot about the we stuff in, in the in the traditions part of this. Um, I need these traditions um, based on what I've learned about who I am through the twelve steps, and who I want to be because of those twelve steps. Um, my higher power and and what the people in these rooms have done for me. Um, my addictive self is an introvert who isolates. Um, I've always felt on the outside of things, think I have to hustle to be smart enough or look good enough, um, have to figure it out by myself. And because I can't do that and I'm not enough, um, I created all kinds of self-hate from that. Um, my recovered self today knows that the only way out of all that is to do what the big book says, which often is the opposite of what I want to do my first times. Um, so I said yes to speaking, even though it's one of the things I'm most terrified of, um, because I'm finally getting that really the sole purpose of this program is I cannot keep it until I've given it, unless I've given it away. Um, and then if it helps anybody in these rooms who's still suffering, that's the whole point um, of these traditions. I have been one of those suffering people, um, not even post-abstinence recovery. I've been in a recovered state and been in these rooms and been suffering and I've seen the unbelievable level of love and joy that comes from the experience with people who share themselves with me. Um, so there's there's no way I can say no to, to not sharing myself with other people anymore. I love what I've heard this past week about the traditions, um, how they practice, how they practice the principles and about my relationships. It is a big litmus test for me about if my relationships are in good working order um, or not, uh, as is an indicator of my program. Um, and I really liked what I've heard earlier this week about the difference between the traditions, what the traditions are, what group conscience is, and what a fellow's opinion is. Um, and I'm super grateful that there's always a solution um, to figuring out what, which of those things it is um, because of how the big book is written. Um, so for me, the first question I always ask is why? Why do I have to do this? And um, why do we have them? Like, why do we have the traditions? And what I've learned, especially in the last year of this program, is if I'm capable of being, being that person and page 60 to 63 who tries to run the show and controls things, which I still am, then um, like the 12 steps, I need the traditions to help me learn how to get along um, and stay in a spiritual solution uh, with my fellows. I did not get this for the longest time. Um, so if you don't understand a lot of the language, I did not understand a lot, a lot of the language when I started. I still don't understand all of it, um, but I get that if I keep showing up and connecting with others, I see the longer that happens, the more that gets revealed. Um, 
And sometimes I couldn't understand until I was at a certain point in the steps um, or my higher power brought me the right person to help me understand it. Um, but the biggest thing that I love about the traditions, because I am slightly oppositional, is um, I cannot get kicked out of this program for not keeping a tradition or not following the big book and none of us can. Um, however, if I don't follow the book, um, I have found that it keeps me from the joy and the freedom um, it can't keep me out of the rooms, but if I have the desire to stop this allergy of the body and this obsession of the mind, if I want to, then that's the only thing that, um, that is required for me to belong. And I don't know where that exists anywhere else in the world. Um, what I want to offer is um, what I've heard from other, other experiences, other things I've read about the traditions that I thought was super interesting is the most important tradition on which all the others are really based is tradition five. It's kind of the, the, the litmus test for whether all the other traditions are actually working, which is each group has but one primary purpose to carry the message that compulsive overeater still suffers. And um, I've heard this in the rooms this week, and I'm really glad it was shared about like who still suffers can be a newcomer or it can be a longtime member, or it can be anyone in between. Um, and that the openness and vulnerability of not being perfect is something that I've learned a lot in this, in this program. Um, the solution is based on togetherness, um, that when I try to do this by myself, or I don't think beyond me in, re in recovery, my recovery falls apart. And if that can happen for me, then, then collectively it can happen to the group too. Um, and I've learned from the traditions and the steps that it's a form of self-cruelty to try to make myself do this by myself. And it is a form of self-love to seek out my higher power and my fellows. Nothing that I found works terribly sustainably when it's based on fear, shame, control, judgment, and self-centeredness. So the traditions, um, I heard somebody talk about this and it really, really resonated with me. So I wanted to share it. Um, the traditions are pretty much broken up into the, the ones that address our responsibility and our relationships with each other. Um, and if you're anything like me, I needed to learn a lot about how to have healthy relationships. Um, traditions that address our relationship to the outside world. Um, there's only three that, um, that I learned are really related to the outside world. Um, and the rest are related to our responsibility and our relationships with each other. And I don't think that's an answer. Um, so I'll talk super quickly a little bit about the traditions and kind of what they meant for me um, and what I've learned from them. Um, tradition one, our common offers to come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. unity. Um, this is a life and death matter for me. I do believe in what the big book says about this addiction um, and that without people, without being part of a greater whole, I cannot recover, um, and nobody else coming into the room um, can. Um, the other beauty of that is I am powerless over things, and no one can force. We can't force each other. No one can force me to do anything. Um, they can suggest. They can share their experience, but nobody can be kicked out for not doing what's suggested. Um, tradition two, which stands for a group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving higher power, as he may express, he or she may express himself, and for their um, conscience, our leaders of a trusted service, they do not govern. Um, I 
I read about the difference between service and governance. Um, and governance kind of infers that somebody is at a level where they can tell you what to do. Um, the 12 and 12 talks about the story of the bleeding deacon and the elder statesman. statesman. Uh, the bleeding de deacon who thinks um, he or she knows how things are supposed to be, things aren't supposed to change, um, and the elder seats person who, who really works from, from the, the approach of service, um, the, that he or she is there for, um, he or she are there, there for a common good. Um, that's where we use the group conscience and business meetings um, to process and to prevent those kind of battles. I've always seen them be separate from meetings so that people can be helped in the meetings. And that the goal isn't even the majority, it's unanimity. It's, it's having a consensus, which is the heart of, of humility. Um, that The beauty that I learned about humility is not only do we all have an equal voice, but we all are equal. There's nobody in these rooms um, better or less than. Um, we all are at the same level, which for me means I belong. Um, humility means for me to move along. Um, and sometimes uh, it's the person who's objecting. Um, this was a really cool thing that I heard that the person who's objecting and the person who disagrees the most is probably the one who needs to be heard the most in a group conscience. Um, and that, that has been my experience. The person I disagree with the most uh, might be actually the voice of the higher power, of my higher power, might be the voice that I need to listen to. Um, and that by listening, I actually might find the right thing to do with people I disagree with. Um, and that the beauty of group conscience meetings is that a decision can change in any given meeting. Um, nothing stays the same, necessarily has to stay the same. Um, decisions can be made and remade. There's always the opportunity to come back and have a conversation. Um, tradition three, the only requirement for any membership is a desire to start drinking. I love this so much. You are a member if you say you are. Um, it doesn't matter what our, what our manifestation manifestation of this disease looks like. Um, it doesn't matter if you and I have the same behaviors, have the same food issues or not. It's the spiritual solution that's the common thread for us. And um, it's whatever higher power you choose to get that spiritual solution. Nobody can tell you um, what your um, abstinence or disease it, it looks like nobody can tell you who your power is to get there um, and I used to think I had to be around people who were like me um, when I started these rooms and I've learned actually um, I've learned more from the people who are not like me um, than from the people who are in, in a lot of ways and really it doesn't matter to me if somebody's like me or not. What matters to me is do they have the joy and the recovery and the love of self and the love of others that I seek? Um, the rest is all kind of um, extra. Um, and my disease is a disease of comparison, um, which is always in my better or my worst. So regardless of the answer, if left to my own devices, I'm always gonna come out lacking. Um, and the whole concept of humility that the tradition brings and what they talk about with being open and vulnerable and honest with others. Um, I'll be stuck. Five minutes remaining. Oh, thanks. Um, I'll be stuck identifying out and hiding. Uh, but with humility, if I'm accepted as I am, I feel safe enough to learn how to be open and truly honest and vulnerable. I don't have to put on a show or keep up appearances. 
And um, since we're only at five minutes and I have a whole lot more to say, a lot more things. Um, I just want to say that um, the, the, the beauty of uh, the traditions, especially around protecting us from public, um, it protects us out of the things that they that equate things with like business and governance of what am I getting out of it? Um, what do you need to give me? Um, everything here is offered freely. Um, there isn't a governance where there's a leader telling us what to do. And there's protections around there to keep um, to keep our um, to keep away um, protected from those kind of controversies that could um, sorry that could divide us and could um, end up creating divisions and not being able to again help us with our primary purpose, which is helping uh, the person who needs these rooms who still suffers. So I'll jump right to the example um, of what I've seen of these traditions being lived out. There was, I'm gonna keep it as, as general as possible um, in terms of uh, the experience. So there was a small, I'll trust up group. Um, it seemed to be getting smaller. And one of the members asked to bring a matter uh, to the next group conscience. And in their share, um, they talked about how upset they were that the group was changing, um, new ideas somebody was bringing in, people were bringing in. Uh, they didn't want it to change. They didn't want the group to change. Uh, they wanted to create new rules so we could keep people from coming to the meet. So we could tell people who were coming to the meeting what they couldn't talk about, kind of keeping um, that group protected and doing things that the way they, they had been for years. Um, and in my opinion, in my head, um, it was presented not terribly kindly and pretty accusatorily. And I've learned enough in these rooms to know I probably should not act on my first thought. Um, and I did not act on my first thought. Um, I didn't really have a second thought that was probably any more spiritual than the first one. And I knew I was going to kind of respond in a controlling way. I knew like the me in pages 60 to 63 were going to come out. Um, as my son often tells me, this is not about you, mom. Um, so I kept quiet and I just listened. And what I heard was this. People asked questions. They were seeking to understand where this person was coming, were coming from. They thanked this person for sharing their concerns and how clear it was that this person must care about the meeting, including the person who was kind of put in a tough position. Then they asked this person, what tradition do you think isn't being followed? If someone named, new came to our meeting, do you think that would change? Um, what, if our meeting was inviting or inclusive, would it make it more inclusive or less? Would it help our primary purpose of carrying the message to those who still suffer? Would it support or prevent recovery? Um, so the whole process happened of listening, of giving the voice to this person who disagreed, the floor, in sitting room might need to be changed. And what happened was a consensus, including the person who brought the first concern, that while they had a right to their feelings and opinion, uh, the proposal did not seem to be following a tradition and it wouldn't align with serving a person who was still suffering. It actually might be a situation where it would not keep the door open and it might turn people away. And that is the beauty of the traditions and this process. And when I shared this with a fellow, not only did it help me see how the traditions worked, but it got me to a place where when I worked through my 10th, 11th with what was happening, the result was 
I am just like this person. I have the same fears about other things. It just happened to be a different thing. And that's the beauty of what these traditions do is it brings us together to have a common purpose so that we can help more people and help them have the recovery that really has just changed my life. And um, with that, thank you so much for listening to Maintenance. All right, there I am. Thank you, CJ. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. All right, let me get back to my little script. Uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. Uh, we ask that you accept this guideline in order to keep the, the meeting on track. If you would like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom, the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Uh, would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Okay, Karen, yes, thank you. And if the speaker is asked a question, please also allow for three minutes uh, for their answer. Okay, I don't know if anybody can raise their hand. Oh, they can, they can, okay. All right, excellent. So who would like to share first? Okay, Melissa B. Hey everyone, Melissa, grateful recovered awesome liver eater, sugar addict, night and emotional eater. Thank you so much, CJ, for your service. I had a question. Um, oh, congratulations on your on your one year. It's amazing. I um I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um what your favorite tradition is and why. Thanks. Oh, thank you. I couldn't have myself. Great question, Lassie. Um, I would say oh, it's tough. I would say um, I would let me answer, answer it this way. If you had asked me that question um, two years ago, I would say tradition three is my favorite because the only requirement for a membership is a desire to stop drinking. Only requirement from OA membership is a desire to stop even compulsively. Um, because it's it's the it's the tradition that tells me I belong and I don't need to be or do anything except for to have a desire. Today. Again, because of the love that I have gotten in this program, my favorite tradition is tradition five. Because our primary purpose is to be there for the person who still suffers. And I 
if you know anything about me, I would have avoided connecting with people as much as possible. Um, and I didn't get how, how being there for people, like how you can't keep it unless you give it away, but also being there for people creates relationships and creates a life that is really beyond my wildest dreams. And I, I started understanding that I needed to reach out and be there for my fellows. And then I ended up wanting to um, because of the love that I found in these rooms. And if you know anything about me and how much I hid from people, it, it's a miracle. So I would say Tradition Five is my favorite now. Thank you for the question. Okay, thank you so much for the question and answer. Uh, Nancy C, you are next. Hey guys, Nancy C, gratefully recovered um, today in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and um, wouldn't have missed this one for the world. Happy anniversary, CJ. Um, I don't know, I think maybe I liked it better when you didn't talk. <laughs> um, <clears throat> in all seriousness, um, you embody the traditions for me because you showed me a whole different um, part of this disease that I had no knowledge of and no understanding of. And um, really didn't get you when you when we were in rooms together. Um, and you have taught me by showing up and by our common um, disease, however that manifests, that we all have the same perfect purpose we all have the same purpose and that's to help each other and to abstain from our eating behaviors, whatever they are. So I want to thank you for the education of Little Tree and helping me understand another part of the disease that I didn't understand. And that's for me, the embodiment of the traditions, right? That everyone is welcome. If I say I'm a member, no one has a right to say I'm not. And I used to identify people out. I'd be like, ah, you're not fat enough. Ah, what? You don't eat? How can that be? You know, and now it does not matter because everyone thinks exactly like me. Everyone, sorry, is as messed up as I am in the head. And we all come here to get a little bit better. And CJ, I really have to say to see you blossom in, in taking on this program and really embracing it with everything and putting yourself out there and getting uncomfortable and still moving forward just really warms my heart and it shows that the program works and that the traditions work because you didn't identify out either because starting in a small group that you didn't have anyone else to identify with you kept coming back and you taught all of us how to be loving patient and kind to any form of this disease however it manifests and for that I'm forever grateful congratulations CJ thank you Nancy Okay, Amy B. Thank you so much, Amy B, compulsive overeater, living very gratefully in a recovered state today. Hello, my family. I've missed you. Thank you, everyone doing service tonight. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Amalia. Thank you, Karen, for timing. Thank you, everyone, for the service of being here tonight because I need you. We need each other. CJ. First of all, happy OA birthday. Thank you for your testimony that this program works because that's what it is when we shout out 
those milestones. It is testimony. So thank you for sharing that testimony. On a night when we talk about traditions, I will, instead of praising the personality, I will praise the principles. Thank you for your fellowship. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your willingness to do service. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your um, clarity around discomfort and doing it anyway. Thank you for your smile and your welcoming spirit carrying the message. Um, I love the traditions. I love the tradition traditions, and that was not always the case. Um, with with deep and abiding love and respect, let me say that our primary purpose is to carry the message. And tradition one is that our common welfare must come first so that we are here to carry that message. Our common welfare must come first from the long form of the traditions. It says AA, I'll paraphrase, OA must continue to live or most of us will surely die. I need you. We need each other. We must protect our space so that we may pursue our primary purpose, which is carrying the message. They feed each other. Um, I also feel very strongly about no outside issues because inclusivity is paramount. Um, and I believe that everyone should have a voice and the traditions give us that. There is no authority except for our a loving God is expressed through our group conscience, through our collective voice. Um, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this collective and so glad to be among you again tonight in the little squares. I love you. Thank you again, CJ. I pass. Thank you, Amy B. All right, Ian. Hi, I'm Ian, compulsive overeater. Very good to see you all. Oh my gosh, I was um at the OA birthday party over the weekend, and it was delightful. And I think one of the reasons for that is because it felt it it felt on a whole new level. Like you know, this is my family. You know, um, I have so many aunts, so many grandmothers. <laughs> few uncles here and there, you know, a few brothers. Um, I remember the first time somebody somebody called me brother in a way I cried. You know, it's the first time that I ever felt supported and felt safe in a collective. Not because it was the first reason I had to feel safe, but because this is a different thing. You know, when somebody in my blood family tells me they love me, um, I, I can take it and hold it because I have recovery. But like when someone here tells me they love me, I just kind of know it. I just kind of feel it, you know, it's just different. And the reason I'm talking about that is because I, I feel very strongly that the traditions are to the collective OA family, what the steps are to the individual. And the steps are how I live my life, you know, um, and as a, as a group, as a family, <laughs> um, families bicker, you know, families have, have differing opinions, and this is what allows us to, to carry that message. Um, 
And I remember being, you know, coming into OA rooms for the first time and going to a business meeting and coming out of it thinking like, what the hell <laughs> happened? Like, how are these people who disagree about so much still loving each other and still supporting each other? And the truth is that that's just how it is. You know, it, it, it's, that, is that is how OA works. Um, and, and these steps, uh, these traditions are maybe not as um, sexy as the steps, but they're just as vital. Um, and 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 I, I I wish I studied them more honestly because um, they're they're really great. Uh, that's about all I have to share. All of you guys, I will pass. Thank you, Ian. Okay, Claire, you are next. Mike, oh sorry. So did you, I don't know if you got that. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater and bulimic from the UK. I listen to this a lot on podcast. I haven't been to a live meeting yet because it's one o'clock in the morning usually for me, but I'm in Florida after the birthday party. Lucky me. Um, and thank you so much, CJ, for these um, this wonderful share on um, the traditions. And I had the really good fortune of um, going to a meeting in another fellowship where they had a tradition meeting and they had a main share every week on the tradition. And it was an amazing year. Um, it was very tricky sometimes but <laughs> to share, but it was an amazing year for me to grow and to learn about the traditions. Um, and it sort of swung my interest from not being particularly interested or relevant um, to being super relevant. And um, there's a few things I thought of just, um, you know, is first off, you know, as you said, you know, there's no OA police that are going to come and bang at the door if a meeting's not sticking to a tradition, you know. But the evidence is, or, you know, the reason the traditions even came to be in the first place is because AA groups were falling apart and people were dying. And, and that's how the whole traditions came about. And, and so, and, you know, I've not... You know, my, my abstinence doesn't um, behest the amount of time I've been in the fellowships. But, you know, that is my experience from just watching meetings is that meetings that don't stick traditions eventually tend to fall apart. And that's why the traditions exist. It's for our own protection. And was it say that the steps present, prevent us from committing suicide and the, uh, and the traditions prevent us from committing homicide? And I think that's very true. And I've certainly been in some group consciences over the years where there's some very heated disagreement and personalities, you know, these personalities. And it is just such an amazing framework for bringing it back down to um, unemotional sort of, you know, come back to the traditions. It's a really, really good way for personalities to get out the way for common good, for the common welfare, because as has been shared, you know, at the end of the day, if OA doesn't exist, I'm I'm stuffed, you know, I'm stuffed if the fellowship goes down, down pans. And, you know, I want this to be around for my kids if they need it, you know, and we have a responsibility. And that was something else that I was very much taught by a, a previous sponsor is that I have a responsibility to speak up as well, you know, because a lot of people new around don't know the traditions. Um, and, you know, in group consciences, if I have an awareness of what that's about, it is my responsibility, you know, to speak up and say, even though I might not be popular or liked, heaven forbid, you know, it's it's my, my job is to, is to say it. And um, the other thing I really wanted to say, and this was something I really learned from that year of meetings, was how these traditions can apply to my life outside of the fellowship. So for the family, for example, you know, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. You know, for our group purpose, we can sit down and having love and God coming in with our group conscience. We can listen to each member. You know, we, we can we can have the only requirement. We can have principles before personalities. Um, and in my work life, I can do that sort of thing, too. I can do that within within my team at work. 
And it really, it really translate for a, a, a really amazing way of approaching everything, actually. And um, it's time. Well, that's well time because I've just run out of steam. Thank you very much. Thank you, Claire. Okay, Amalia. Um, hi, Amalia, compulsive overeater. Um, so grateful to be here. Um, thank you so much, CJ, for your share and everyone else for their service. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I never liked the traditions. I didn't understand the point of reading them. Um, but this meeting, like I needed to be at this meeting today um, because they are so important. And I learned so much from the traditions and practice in meetings that I can apply to my life. Um, and I feel like you really touched on that, CJ, with your example of someone, you know, like sharing something in like a maybe not the nicest way. And then like it all came back to the traditions. But I liked what you said about the fact that you know, you had an instinct or I'm forgetting the wording you exactly used, but, um, you had a, like your first response or like what you wanted, your first thought, I think was not, um, was not like driven by like God or your higher power or whatever you want to call it. Um, and it wasn't like, and then you chose to not share it. And I think that's something that I can learn in meetings or in regular life. Like my first instinct is usually very much coming from myself and I don't need to share it. And the, like the pausing is so important for me. And my sponsor always jokes with me and says like, I need to go to meetings because at meetings, I learn which areas of my spiritual development are lacking, which like character defects are still popping up, like how I'm still really judgmental, even though I think I'm fully recovered. Um, and I'm not, you know, like I'm living in recovery for today. Um, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, but like for today I am. And like, if there's someone in the meeting who I disagree with, um, I'm able, or I'm judging, I'm able to recognize like, oh, I'm being a little judgmental and like, you know, how can I see their perspective, but also like principles before personalities. Um, so I guess like both, but I think they're interrelated. So, um, just, just really grateful to be here and, um, to hear your share and to be reminded of the importance of the traditions because they are important and, you know, maybe not as glamorous or as, you know, yeah, I'll say glamorous for lack of a better word, um, as the steps, but I think they really are important and without them. Yeah. I think we wouldn't be here. We really wouldn't be. Um, and yeah, not to cross talk, but I liked what someone said about, you know, making sure this program survives for, you know, like my children, like people after us, because without this program, like, I don't know what my life would be like. I truly don't. So anyway, with that, I will pass. Um, and thank you so much, CJ and everyone for their shares. And also, yeah, congratulations on your, um, your one year. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amalia. Uh, and 